We were talking about prayer last week and how wonderful it is. What, what a wonderful thing it is which we have at our disposal. But sometimes, sometimes we, we find it hard to find time to pray. And so we must make time to pray. In Romans chapter 8 and verse 26, Paul said that he didn't know what to pray for. So when someone of the stature of Paul, and I know Paul through the Bible would be one of the most humblest men you could, you could ever meet, but we know the intelligence of the man. We know his zeal. And we also know all the things which he did for the Lord, and yet he struggled with prayer. He struggled with, with finding things to pray for. He struggled with his life, and, and we too can sometimes struggle with our, our prayer life. And the idea you get throughout Scripture, from his writings in Romans and in Corinthians, is that prayer seemed to him to be a struggle, that he was struggling with something or someone. Do we not find times in our lives when we feel as if something's getting in the way? Well, something is getting in the way because the last thing the devil wants that the forces of darkness want is for you to go to that source of comfort in your lives is to go to the one person who can help you more than any other and that's to almighty god if you'd be turning in your bibles to matthew chapter 7 verses 7 to 11 that's matthew chapter 7 verses 7 to 11 and we have this wonderful promise as we go through these scriptures. We have this wonderful promise in scripture that God will hear us. No matter what the world might say, no matter what the devil or our own doubts and fears might say, we are promised that he will hear Christians. He doesn't hear non-Christians. You must be his child to have his ear. The scriptures say, verse 7, Ask and it shall be given you. Seek and you shall find. Knock and it shall be opened unto you. For every one that asketh receiveth, and he that seeketh findeth, and to him that knocketh it shall be opened. Or what man, or what man is there of you, of, of you whom if, ye, if his son ask bread, will he give him a stone? Or if he ask a fish, will he give him a serpent? If he then, being evil, know how to give good gifts unto your children, how much more shall your Father, which is in heaven, give good things to them that ask him? Now, you might find people who will say, well, I've, I've been praying to God for something and it still hasn't showed up. It still hasn't happened. And the only answer I can, I, that I have for them is that God really answers prayers in three ways. Either yes, no, or wait. And God's not going to answer a prayer that goes against our interest even though we think that it's in our interest so if it turns out that you're praying for a lamborghini to show up in your front yard don't expect it but if you're praying that god will give you the the zeal to search the scriptures and not give up until you get the answer you're looking for i have a good feeling he's going to say yes there's quite a difference there and there's a huge difference in the prayer life of a christian and the prayer life of a pagan. In ancient times, people would have these little, take for example the Roman, Greco-Roman religion, which was prevalent at the time of the New Testament. They would have their own, their own household gods, and they'd have these particular gods that they would be devoted to. 
and they'd give them offerings of food and sometimes they'd cut themselves and bleed to give them offerings and they'd pray for things that we would never think of praying. If you remember in the Lord's Prayer, that model prayer that we build our own prayers around, that framework prayer, the Lord is praying to always that we remember that God is our Father, to pray for others, to pray for our daily bread, that we would be kept from temptation and ends with glorifying him. Well, a lot of the prayers of the ancient pagans would have been, I don't like Marcus Licinius Crassus, may he drop dead. These were the kinds of prayers, or I don't like Lydia, that woman over there, she's, she's annoying my husband, may she, may she drop dead. They would pray these kinds of prayers. Or they'd say, oh, I, I really fancy that girl. And they'd be praying to this God or that God to make them fall in love with him. You notice something in scripture. There are no prayers found in the Bible. And it's throughout the entire Bible. Where someone prays. Or where it is, where it is authorized for us to pray that somebody will fall in love with us against their will. It's not there. There's nothing of that kind of a nature. There's nothing that could be harmful to another outside of God's will. When, when we pray in accordance to his will, to what he is looking for, that's a world of difference between praying to have your, your enemy killed or for his business to collapse and all those kinds of things. And we have to remember too the moral supremacy of Christianity over these pagan religions. In their religions their idea of ethics and morals weren't really connected to the religion at all. It was a separate thing entirely, very superstitious. And yet they were also very zealous of their religion. If you remember, when Christianity, when this religion that preached that we should love our neighbours and not do them wrong, started creeping into Ephesus and, and all these big, these big pagan cities, the idol makers got really upset. Well, they were thinking, that's harming business. They're not going to show up and buy the, this statue or, or that statue. And it was really affecting them. They didn't like it. And yet it still, it continued to spread. Because there was something special about Christianity. There's something special about caring for other people. And people pick up on that. Because, and one thing that I've learned in my ministry, and that was taught to me by men who have served for hundreds of years in between if you were to add up all the years together, people do not care how much you know until they know how much you care. That's a simple truism. And when they know you care, and when they know you're praying for them, that can be a real turnabout in their lives. To know that somebody cares enough for them to go to God in prayer. And if they're not Christians and God can't hear their prayer, you're praying on their behalf. You're praying that God will bless them. And the greatest blessing that God gives us is his dear son, the knowledge of the gospel. Now, many times people will believe the gospel, but they won't obey because they're under pressure from the church group that they're in or from their family or from wherever. And they need courage. They need courage to follow that. They need courage to follow the truth. So never give up praying, never give up that power. Because in the same way that the Holy Bible is a sword, is a very powerful weapon, he, Hebrews 4 verse 12. So prayer is a very powerful weapon at our disposal. And no wonder the devil wants to 
interrupt that. Why wouldn't he? Why wouldn't he want to cut off our contact with the Father, with the very power that overrides his own? Turning your Bibles to James chapter 4 and verse 2. James chapter 4 and verse 2. Ye lust and have not. Ye kill and desire to have and cannot obtain. Ye fight and war, yet ye have not, because ye ask not. Ye ask and receive not, because ye ask amiss, that ye may consume it upon your lusts. Ye ask amiss, improperly, wrongly. When we pray, if our prayers aren't being fulfilled, could it be that we're asking amiss? Could it be that we're not asking in according to God's will? We certainly know in the ancient world, a great many did. And turn to chapter 5 and verse 16 in James. Chapter 5. And verse 16. Confess your faults one to another and pray one for another. Pray one for another that you may be healed. The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. And let me put that into context. James was writing to a church where there were some people who were having a big dispute within the church. And he wanted them to confess their sins to each other, to, to repent of their sins to each other, to get over, build a bridge, and make amends together. But what he says here is applicable to each and every one of us. That we should pray one for another. Now the prayer of a righteous man, what does that mean? What does it really mean to be righteous in reality? To be righteous means to be right living in accordance to God. To be observing the divine laws that he has given us. And if you remember those is to love the Lord our God with all our heart, with all our strength, with all our might. And to love our neighbour as ourself. To have that practical concern. People notice that. They notice that you're taking time to actually care. They notice you're taking time to think, to think about them, to remember them. Not in a negative way, but a, but a positive way. Sometimes things get in the way of our prayers. As I said at the beginning of this study, the devil likes to get in the way of things. Or our own doubts get in the way of things. I think that's a very human thing and we struggle with that. Have you ever had, and I'm sure most of you had, you've had a, a toothache, a loose tooth. And sooner than actually go to the dentist... And get it taken out, you'll mess with it and you'll fiddle with it and you'll put up with it for ages. And not just go to the dentist and get it done. That's the way it is with prayer. If there's something niggling at you, if there's something upsetting you, causing you pain, just go. Just go to the Father and get it sorted out. Prayer is something we need to study. It's something we need in our lives. As much as we need air. And as Christians, we have that privilege that we can go to our knees, we can close our eyes, we can pray. You can pray anywhere. You don't need to have your eyes closed to pray. 
In fact, I would recommend if you're driving, do not close your eyes if you're praying, as a lady did, and the judge told her, don't close your eyes. It's, <laughs> it makes perfect sense. But God is there. God is listening. And there are a great many people, even when they become Christians, they think, why would God be interested in my little problem? It's because it's your problem. That's why he's interested. And that's why we need to bring it to him. Not allow the distractions of the world to get in the way. And there are a great many distractions trying to keep us away from God. And why is that? Because according to the Holy Scriptures, prayer changes things. Prayer changes things. And if you remember, whenever the apostles set out to do anything in the book of Acts, what did they do? Did they sit down? Did they, did they go through the budget to see if they could afford it? Did they check the weather? Did they see if the highway was clear and all these things? No, the very first thing they did was they prayed. They took it straight to head office. They prayed. Because they've seen the power of it and how it changes things. It's so important that in the Gospel account of Luke, the disciples went to Jesus and said, Teach us how to pray, as John taught his disciples how to pray. So there's two mentions about being taught how to pray, about sharing that. That's how important it is. So, yes, prayer changes things. If you're turning your Bibles to the Gospel account of Matthew, and chapter 24, starting at verse 19. That's Matthew 24, starting at verse 19. And here we, ha here we have in this, in this gospel account, and I always say account, because it's not a story. It's an account. It's a big difference. And woe unto them that are with child. And to them that give suck in those days. But pray ye that your flight be not in the winter, neither on the Sabbath day. Now the Lord is telling us here to pray. He was describing the events that were going to unfold in Jerusalem not, a few decades after after his resurrection. But his advice to Christians is enduring in times of tribulation. Pray. Pray. Prayer changes things. Prayer is desperately important. Turn to Ephesians chapter 3 and verse 20. 3 and verse 20. Now unto him that is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask, or think according to the power that worketh in us, unto him be glory in the church by Jesus Christ throughout all ages, world without end. Amen. What are we being told here? That God is able to deal with our problems abundantly in all that we ask or think according to the power that worketh within us. So when we turn to God, we realize that he has that capability of doing this. And we are to pray, not in our own name, not according to our own authority, not because we're bringing a, a sacrifice of a goat or a dove or a bullock, as they did in ancient times, but because we can pray in the name of Jesus Christ, in 
the authority of his name. That is an immense privilege, a wonderful thing we have. Let's turn to Colossians 3 and verse 17. That's Colossians 3 and verse 17. And whatsoever ye do, in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God and the Father by him. Now when we pray, do we stop and think, can we put Christ's name to this? What we're praying for, what we're praying about. If we're praying for people to get better, to be healed of their sicknesses, or to come to the gospel, yes, we can put the name of Christ to that. If we pray that God will help us through, through some, some struggle that we're going through in our lives, absolutely we can put his name to that. But if we're praying something selfishly like, Lord, I, I want that Lamborghini Diablo, the 2020 model, specially made. No, that, that's not going to happen. But people do. If we pray, Lord, make that person fall in love with me. He's not going to answer that question. He's not going to give you a yes to that. That person has the same right to love you or not love you according to their will. God forces nobody to love him. When we think of all the wonderful things that God has done for us, all the immense things that, that God the Son has done for us on the cross, how can we not love God? How can we not wish to love him? But he will not force it. And there you find another huge difference between the pagan, between the heathen religions and the religion, the faith established in Jesus Christ. It is a religion of love, of care and compassion, of grace and mercy and truth. An acknowledgement that we have one Lord and in him there is one baptism. In him there is one peace found. When you look at many of the pagan religions, all of them just about really, you will see that there is a forcefulness behind them. Especially a religion which is falsely declared to be a religion of peace. Islam does not mean peace. It means surrender. Islam did not spread because millions of people heard the good news that Muhammad was the prophet and you had to obey him and worship as God or chop your head off and decided to become Muslims. Um, they became Muslims, great many people, at the point of a sword. People were forced into it. And that's still happening this very day around the world. There are countries where it is extremely dangerous to be a Christian. Pick a Muslim country. If you have to force your religion down someone's throat at the point of a gun or a blade, that is not a religion of love. It's a religion of terror. It doesn't spread peace, it spreads war. Now when we pray, we must always remember, can these words that we pray have the name of Christ upon them? And that will help us pray for the things that are right, the things that are, are worthy. And never forget, God, God is interested in everything in your life. He wants you to turn to him. We're to be as children, and a child is completely 
dependent upon their parents. Even when they get a little bit older, they might not think they are, but they are, even for pocket money, certainly for a roof over their head, certainly for food and, and, and entertainments and toys and everything and all these good things. And so it's the same for us. We are totally dependent upon God. The scriptures tell us in Colossians that all things are held together through him, through Christ. And the gospel account of John, chapter 1, verse 1, tells us that we are made by Jesus. And he holds all these things together. So we are completely dependent upon God for everything in our lives, for our breath, every second of our lives. We're dependent upon him for all the gifts of this world, for the air that we breathe. We truly have a loving and caring God. So why wouldn't we want to pray in a way that would bring honour to the Lord Jesus Christ? And we're told to pray for the leaders of our land, even if we don't like them. We're told to pray for our neighbours, even if we don't like them. Remember, in the pagan world, they were constantly praying that their neighbour was going to have a curse. I know they had a price list, by the way. They would go to the priest and say, I want, I want my neighbour to have a, a pus-filled eye or something and there'd be, there'd be two drachma based upon it and I'm not making that up. <laughs> that was the kind of thing which, which they did. And it's certainly not the kind of thing that Christians would be permitted to do. And because we're Christians, because we love the Lord, the last thing we would seek to do would be to force to force God's love upon someone because that's not what he's that's not what it's about. It would have no value. And that is the real value. The real value in this world is freely given love. To know that someone cares for you because they genuinely care for you, not because they're forced and not because you have said a prayer to a God or gods that changed their mind and took over their will. We have that freedom of will and it even comes down to obeying the gospel or rejecting it. God is a God of love and he won't force things. Turn your Bibles to Ephesians 5 and verse 20. Ephesians 5 and verse 20. Give thanks always for all things unto God and the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. So giving thanks always. We must never forget to give thanks in our prayers. If you remember the incident in the Bible when there were a bunch of lepers that came before the Lord and they'd heard that he was a great healer and they said if you will say that we will be healed we'll be healed and he said you, you, you are healed and he, they went off to the priest and one of them came back one out of nine came back to say thank you 
Let us never forget to say thank you. And let us never be like those other lepers who even after they were healed, felt they felt a sense of entitlement. Of course we're healed. We should have been healed. Why didn't they feel, why didn't they feel the need to go back and say thank you? Where was their gratefulness? Did it not show an ungratefulness? Did it not show a, self, uh, a self-absorbed sense of entitlement? We weren't entitled to anything. We sin. We miss the mark. But because of his love for the world, he came into the world to save us. That's the kind of love that our God has. And why wouldn't we want to honour him? Why wouldn't we want to love him? And why wouldn't we want to, to bring others to him? I know when I got baptised, I was still freezing cold. <laughs> but all I wanted to do was to tell the whole world about Jesus. Tell the whole world, look, you're missing this. Don't listen to Mr. So-and-so. Don't, don't Read the Bible. See what the scripture says. Feel that joy. I wanted the whole world to know about Jesus, to know about the saving grace, about his mercy, to know that there's a God that cares, that is not far away in distance, somewhere up there in outer space, but a God who wants to be involved in every aspect of our lives. That's the God of the Bible. That's our Heavenly Father. And he wants a family that will reflect his glory, that will pray in his name and pray for the things that we can put his name, the name of his son, too. Please turn to John chapter 16 and verse 24. Chapter 16 and verse 24. Giving thanks always for all things unto God and the Father, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Sounds familiar. You think the Bible's trying to tell us something? Who are we to pray to the Father? In whose name are we to pray to the Father? In our own name, put by our own authority? No. Not by Mary's name, not by Peter, not by Moses' name, or Elijah, or Isaiah, or any of the prophets, but by the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And always giving thanks in all things. We are to be grateful children. A grateful child loves his parent. And our heavenly parent loves us tremendously. He treats us so well. He cares for us so much. Zephaniah 3.17 tells us that he is, he is looking over us. That he's singing over us with joy. Now, the, the idea in Hebrew is actually of him not just singing, but also shouting. That's my boy. That's my girl. That's my child. And I love them so much. So how could we not go to him in prayer and love him back and thank him for all that he has done for us and is continuing to do for us? The God of the Bible, the God that's revealed in the Bible, is absolutely, absolutely 
incomparable to any of the man-made gods and ideas of this world. And we go through the Lord Jesus Christ. Turn to Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 21. Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 21. And here the writer is saying that, that we, having an high priest, meaning the Lord Jesus Christ, over the house of God, again confirming Christ's position as the head of his church, let us draw near with the true heart in full assurance, in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering, for he is faithful that promised. And let us consider one another and provoke unto love and good works. How wonderful that is. We're to provoke one another for good works. Why? To bring glory to God. Because we're on his side. And thankfully through his mercy and his grace, we are permitted to be on his side. As we pray, let us remember that prayer is a skill. The more we pray, the better we're going to get at it. And the better we're going to get at it, the more effective we're going to be in its use. This is why I compare it to a weapon, to a sword. The more you use it, the more you train, the better you're going to be. And the better teacher that you have to teach you how to pray, the more effective you're going to be with the cuts of it. Because with prayer, we can pull down the strongholds of the enemy. And the best teacher that we have is the Holy Bible itself. We can say that it is something we struggle with. It's something that we learn. Going back to what Paul said in Romans 8, 26. Even Paul struggled with what things to pray for. So we consider. We think about it. And we work upon it. Now Paul would pray for the congregations. He would pray that there would be peace in them. And peace among them. Because it reflected glory upon God. People are attracted to that when they see it they realize that there is a wonderful beauty in prayer in humbly going to our God I feel sorry for those that do not have a prayer and for those that don't have one we must say prayers we must say prayers that their hearts will be softened that they will not know peace until they have the peace of the knowledge that they're right with God not because of what we say or any man or woman, but because of what the Bible says. Because that's what it's about. It's about bringing glory to God. In our lives, we go through many worries, many dark valleys, but we trust in God. We have faith in Him. Remember in Psalm 23, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. And why is that? For thou art with me, that thou there is the Lord our God, our Heavenly Father. So the next time your hearts are full of worry 
and you're full of anxiety, and we all suffer from it. Remember, as it is said in the scripture, Second Peter 5 and verse 7, to take our cares to him and leave them there. Remember, prayer is our weapon, and it is also our privilege. Let us learn to use it well and never cease in its skills. There's a war out there between darkness and light, and the darkness seeks to, to blind us or to distract us, to get in the way of our, our praying, because the darkness knows how effective it is. Let us remember we have a loving God, a wonderful Father for whom to go to and tell him all our problems, all our worries. And I guarantee you, your heart will start to feel better. Thank you for your attention.